Hi, folks. Welcome along to Soundtracking with me, Edith Bowman. Uh, and we have a bonus episode for you this week. As director Fernando Mirielis and composer Ed Cortez join me to discuss the 21st anniversary of City of God. This was a film that was hugely important to me in my journey as a film fan, as I, like many other people, had never seen anything quite like it when it hit cinemas. It was a real treat to spend time with both Fernando and Ed. I never thought I would get the opportunity to do this, but I'm so thrilled that I did. Ed scored the film with Antonio Pinto and we'll begin with their cue, Historia da Boca. Thank you so much. And we've got Ed yeah. too, which is great. So it's yeah, so wonderful. Much better than me. I mean, I won't have much <laughs> to say about music. No, it's true. I mean, he yeah. should be here, not me. It's collaboration. That's the wonderful thing we want to celebrate. You know, absolutely. Okay. Listen, thank you so much. This genuinely is, is a bit of a dream come true, to be honest. I launched this podcast back in, in 2016 to start a conversation about film and music and how beautiful and important that relationship is. And I never in a million years thought that I would get the chance to talk to one of you, to both of you, to any of you about City of God, to be honest, because it was a film for me that kind of really just unlocked a, a particular area of film for me that I never had the opportunity to experience growing up. I came from a very small fishing village in Scotland. Our access to film was very limited. Um, and so when I moved to London and I started, you know, kind of discovering and having the opportunity to see more film, City of God was one of those films that kind of was just a, a huge landmark for me in terms of a story and a type of filmmaking that I was just completely blown away by. So this is wonderful to get to celebrate your work, your creativity and your fantastic film. So thank you. I guess it'd be kind of nice to start by asking you both how it feels to kind of almost revisit this project and have the opportunity to talk about it again after 21 years has passed what does it feel like to have that opportunity to yeah. to take you back to talk about what that film meant to you yeah yeah of course for me it's a very important film because it launched my career but I, I never watched it again I mean last time I watched it was like yeah I think wow. 18 years ago Wow. I remember I was in Venice and, and uh, there was another screening and I had seen it so many times. So I left in the middle of the, the screening and I've never watched it again. But now I, I want to watch it again. I want to remaster the sound 
yeah. and and do a new. I mean, I'm I'm doing like a, a director's cut to be released oh, wow. in two years. Yeah. So so now I'm gonna watch it again, but uh, I didn't watch it. <laughs> so it's good that Ed is here because he remembers more than me. <laughs> but it's almost almost the same thing with me. I never watched it again. I did play it to my sons, but I never stayed on the room. Like I I, I kind of watched this, but but yeah. I do remember things a very a lot of a great experience of doing this film because it's mm. it was like. One of the things I don't know if any Fernando knows that because he he did that for me with me again after that. But this time was like, oh, can you come here watch something? And then you go inside a room was like a apartment room where Danny the 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 the, the editor was. And then he just like play, you know. It, it was like, what the. F- how is this? This is great stuff. So it was like a, a, a scary thing at first because what? Whoa, we have to do that. And we cannot like let it from here. It has to go up, not down. And he's yeah. already so high level. So it was very, very, very scary in the beginning. But afterwards, working with Fernando is always very pleasure you know pleasant because he he knows how to put people's talent together he, he knows how to get the best of people uh without being like someone that is like oh no i want this way this way he just like conducts you to go where he wants so so uh, in the end was a very nice process very like low stress lots of fun process yeah, you know, I I don't remember what I used the stamp music for the first cut. Danny was a DJ, and uh, <laughs> by the time you remember, that? The, I don't know, he was a proper DJ. Yeah, and then he was a DJ, and then he he had a lot of stuff like stamp music. So and it was high level stuff. He he went to black music from the sixties and seventies and everything. And then we had to turn that into Brazilian music and keep the level up. So, so that was the the the, the I mean the, the mission. The music is kind of an immediate part of of the story and the setting, and it's got so many different roles. The music, you know, it's kind of it's the sound of the streets. It's the sound of what's coming out of you know different kind of buildings and things. Then it's also got those different time frames of when we go you know to different time zones of where we are in the story and then the different points of view you know the point of view of the chicken or whatever that is you know all those kind of different moments it's it's so there there's so much music that it's just it feels like a real character in the film as well and Fernando I wanted to ask if you were if you kind of really knew when you were making it how much was was there, was there music in the screenplay as well? In terms of, did you know how much you needed, or music was going to be in there? Yeah, no, I, I wanted a lot of music, and because when you walk, yeah, I mean, I'm very uplifted and, and this kind of thing. Because when you walk in a slam, slam in, in Brazil in favelas, there's always music playing. You know, mm. it's it's a very poor environment, and you know that it's gay at the same time. This is very. Pop, you you listen to rhythms all the time, so I wanted that feeling, you know. And and the film, 
the structure of the film, it has three very distinct parts. I shot in different ways. It has different colors uh, with different lenses. In the beginning, it's more wide lenses. In the end, it goes to long lenses. It's really like three different grammars for the film. So in some way, I think I asked Eddie and, and Antonio, the other composer, to mimic this idea, to have three really different styles for each part of the film. Mm. And maybe Ed can tell us how he achieved that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that, this this is very interesting because at the same time that we have like three different uh, moments, we have two lines. One line is the, like, what can I call it? Like adventure line, like, uh, line which is the, the fun line, which is the movement line. And then the, there is this dark line. Mm. And, and those were two different sets of music. So the first one comes from the DJs and the black music and everything. Yeah. And then the second one comes from, from Indian flutes. I played, I think I have it here. <laughs> I love it, amazing. <laughs> we're, get, we're getting a live rendition, Fernando. This, this is amazing. One. This thing, this thing made all the dark on City of God. Look, it has feathers and everything. Where does this come from? Some Indian. Do you know how to play it? I want to listen yeah, to it. But, but it, this thing here is uh -huh. made with, uh, it's not honey, but it's the, the wax that honey does. And then with the time, it got like dried and stopped playing. And, and then I have another one here which it does almost the same. And then I kept playing lots of channels of this. I was playing like 20 times during the scenes and has my breathing on it and has this And then this thing comes from a, a, more, uh, a more like bright point of view in the beginning when the guy goes on the tree and then he sees the drop and then he decides to leave the crime. And that, but this same thing goes during the whole film, and it gets darker and darker and darker and darker to the, the rape scene and then to the death. And, and it's always this, 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 this float, I mean. Well, I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then uh, again, on the parallel has all the, the grooves, the groove music. Yeah. Has the, the horns and then, and it, and it does start more like acoustic from the 70s and 60s, end of the 60s and 70s. And then ends up with some electronic going on to make the, 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 the timeline changing. 
Valé é Dadinho. Dadinho é o caralho, meu nome agora é Zé Pequeno. The music helps with that journey as well, like for that for that moment where you kind of where we go to to the beach with Rocket and that kind of almost like real funk kind of vibe that kind of comes through. That kind of almost goes, oh okay, uh, almost like a, a a time kind of capsule that takes you musically to a certain kind of feeling, a lighter feeling, a kind of you know, but also a kind of oh, it's this kind of era type thing as well. It's so clever, so subtly, but it's amazing how music can do that. Yeah, me and Antonio, we decided right from the, the beginning uh, to have samba. I remember Antonio saying clearly, samba, samba, samba. Antonio is a very energetic guy. And he was like, samba, we have to have samba, samba. Was, yeah, yeah, we, we agree on that. Okay, but we have to have samba. We agree on that. But the samba has to be the samba. And like, okay, okay. And then we, we, we uh, Antonio is, uh, is, uh, is, he played drums, guitar, and bass. And I wrote and, and played all the horns, not, not all the horns, but saxophone. And then all the saxophones and trumpet and trombone was two friends of mine. It was like us three doing all the horns. And then it was a lot of fun because it's a very nice kind of music to play. Yeah. And to compose over, so so that that was the fun part. That that came out really fast. to the next the, this next layer which is like what's gonna be this dark thing and then it was samba there but we distorted the, the the beat we came with the beat like one octave down the samba beat very slow and then everything came together to 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 make sure like we got dive into the darkness of those places and then When we had to come out, it just groove it. Was yeah. was very nice. We'll 
guess one of the, the biggest things I think sometimes as well is knowing where not to have music as well. And, you know, in terms of navigating the positioning of music in this film, talk to me a little bit about what were the choices and where you felt music was important and where it wasn't. And, and if that was a kind of a, an obvious thing in terms of when you were working on that collaboration. Yeah, of course. I think I think we gave to to Eddie and Antonio already the the, the moments that we went to silence. And yeah. sometimes you, you put a lot of music in in a part of the film just to have the silence uh, reinforced that comes after. And of course, we we use silence to reinforce drama or, or I mean, you know, creates a mood. But when it comes after some, I mean, loud music, it's even better to just cut and and what's missing and, and it creates a different state of mind. We use silence like in, in any any orchestral music or, or silent. We know it's very very musical. Can be very musical, right? By the way, yeah. we, we never used any orchestra, right, Eddie? I remember that first thing we said that this is, should be a sound Brazilian, so it's forbidden to have violins or any any orchestral instruments. Let's do it proper Brazilian, and and we did it right. There's no violins, yeah. all no, no cellos, no nothing. Right? Yeah, this distinct from. I mean, what we yeah. used to listen, Absolutely. right? I think that's what, what immerses you in, in the environment immediately, you know, in terms of you feel like you've been kind of dropped into that environment because it feels like the natural sounds of what would be there. And I wanted to ask about when you were actually filming because, you know, filming on location in those situations, the sounds are there, you know, the kind of music's there coming out across the, the favelas. Was that the case? And was that inspiring in terms of tonally or the rhythmically in terms of how you shot and what you shot as well? No, I, as I mentioned, I mean, there's the, the, in these places you, you listen to music all the time, but the music we used was very different because this is was a period film. We shot it in 2000 and, yeah. and the story is set in, in the 70s. So from the beginning, we knew that we would have to create something of course, based on, on, the, on the 70s and 60s, but mm. uh, it wouldn't be what I was listening while shooting. One thing that, that kind of blew my mind again whilst revisiting the film was just, was the cast and was the performances from everybody who's in a frame, basically. You know, it's kind of not, not just those kind of main characters. The casting on this film is, is absolutely extraordinary. And it's so, it's got that kind of documentary feel in terms of you feel like you're there, like I said as well. Do you mind talking just a little bit about that kind of casting process and finding those those young actors and and getting them to perform in the way and getting those performances the, the way that you did? Yeah, well, before starting to to pre-production or anything, I knew my biggest challenge would be cast. Because in Brazil, even if I wanted, there wasn't this amount of, of young black actors at all. I mean, you could count like two, three and maybe not not the best ones. Mm. So I knew from the beginning that to shoot this film, I would have to to create actors, you know. And so we set up in in, in Rio eight months before, actually nine months before shooting, a kind of school for actors. Uh, I went to, to different communities, favelas in Rio, and we invited people who was interested in, in on on a workshop on acting. I never mentioned we was going to make a film after the, the workshop. It was just pre-workshop. They, they would get the tickets, the bus ticket, and, and a sandwich and, and, and a Coke. That, that was all. And we had a lot of people interested. I selected 200 boys, 
So we would do uh, three three groups every day for four months. So I would spend like eight hours or nine hours a day with different groups from eight in the morning till three in the afternoon and uh, selecting the boys. And, and in this process, I never told them the film, as I said, but I would ask them to improvise scenes. We had a, our, our coach, mm-hmm. uh, Gucci Fraga. It's a very known, uh, he has a, a theatrical group in a favela. Great guy. Every day in the end of the exercises, would ask, we would ask them to, to improvise scenes. Say, well, let's suppose you're a policeman, you're a drug dealer. And of course, they were improvising the scenes of the film. And uh, they would do it and they would say, okay, try this, try this line. And, and, and so they start uh, rehearsing the film without knowing that there was part of the film. And, and by watching this, I selected the boys. And then when we shot the film, they, they knew the scenes more or less. And, and they never got the script. They were allowed to improvise and, and to change positions. So they were almost playing themselves. That's why it's so authentic. Even shooting, when we're shooting, they, they didn't know uh, there was a script because I never showed them any script. So I said, today we're going to do that scene that you come here and you ask him. And, 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 and that's how we would, yeah, rehearse and, and, and then shoot. Wow. And if you watch the film carefully, you see that there's no continuity at all. Okay? I, I would never give them marks to hit, you know, or just let them play like a theater play, like a performance. Mm-hmm. And our cameraman, our DP, Cesar Shaloni, he, he prepared the light. There was no stands in the, in the, on the set. And he would just grab, as a documentary, the, the thing really happening. And, and that's how we shot. Wow. And that's why it looks, feels so authentic. The scene where, where, there's the, where the two kids and he asks about, you know, whether they want shot in the hand or the foot. And the reaction from that tiny little boy who looks about kind of four or five years old. He might be older or something. And that's a great scene in terms of when you talk about your cameraman being kind of, you know, we sort of, we see, we kind of pull back to see the kids trying to escape. And then we're right in that kind of pen when that's happening. And the kind of the, the intensity of that and the, the sort of power that you feel kind of watching that and the kind of, you almost hold your breath for that entire scene sort of thing. But the performances of those little people is just extraordinary, extraordinary. Yeah, well, we rehearsed that scene, but uh, on the day he was better than <laughs> during the rehearsal. Wow! Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was, it was very, it was very hot, so everybody was hungry. He was hungry, and it was too hot, and he really got scared. I mean, he, was, he mixed up. He was just a little kid, and he really, I, I was very concerned. I wanted to cut. Yeah. It was so good, so I, I let him do it. It was hard, but he's very proud. Since, yeah, uh, till today of what he did. We're shooting in Brazil a, a series called City of God. I'm not directing, but uh, all the characters that, that was alive in the film are, are in this series. And this boy, we, we brought him back. And in the oh, TV yeah. series, he has, a, he's, he has a, a limp. How do you call it? Yeah, a limp. Yeah. A yeah. limp, yeah, because of his feet. His feet, yeah. Amazing. <laughs> you mentioned at the start of our chat, I'm just cautious of time if, of you having to go, but... Um, you you mentioned the chat that you're doing a you're doing a director's cut of of the film. You know, not to kind of obviously give any spoilers with that sort of thing, but how have you approached that? Yeah, what's the kind of journey for you to making the decisions about what's different from that original cut? Yeah, so far what I did, I, I just because uh, uh, the the process we we worked for, with the images was very we we improvised, we created a way to to 
to transfer from film to uh, from video to film. This was the first time a film was used this process in Brazil. So the quality, the image, the quality of the image is very bad. So I just last month I just scanned the whole all the material, and now I'm gonna cut the film again. The the, the quality is really really improved, and uh, and the, and there were some scenes and sequences that I cut in the beginning. So now that the film was so well received, uh, I'm gonna bring it back. So it's gonna be a yeah, and re-release it in a better, much much better quality. And I guess for sound as well, Eddie. I think we, we, we could remix and, and well, we'll see. Yeah. <laughs> Going to change something. That's the opportunity. I'm open. <laughs> Fernando, Fernando used to have a, 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 a thing, and, and I don't know if he works this way still. I'm going to tell something here if, 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 if you get mad with me. But almost the film was almost ready, and then we got the Miramax packs. You remember that? By the time it was a fax machine. And then uh-huh. got really long facts of changes of notes. Notes. Uh-huh. Yeah, and you got a big one, and I got a huge one. And then I called Fernanda and say like, "Well, until now we were doing like the film together, like let's do it. But now there's this this facts. What should I do?" He said like, "Split split it in three. Split it in three. The part you love, don't do it. Don't 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 change." The part you accept the change, but you would like not to change. We will discuss, and then take the the third part. That that is the part you don't really care about, and change as they ask. And then I did just that. So 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 uh, uh, in the end, we got like everything you, we wanted to to stay on the film, even though we attended all the notes. Like what was like uh, his strategy. Yeah, no, I didn't address notes as well. Well, the film wasn't theirs. It was my film. Exactly, yeah. Like you say, it's your vision. You had a connection with that story. What was it about yeah. Powell's book that you, you think you connected with? Do you remember when you read the book for the first time or, or how was the book presented to you? I remember when I read the book, I mean, uh, it was a story set in Brazil and I didn't know. I mean, that, that was Brazil. It wasn't the Brazil that I knew. Nobody knew. Middle, middle class in Brazil didn't know that. So I wanted to to understand, to show Brazilians this part of Brazil. Yeah. Nowadays, I mean, the, the life in communities and favelas are much more known. And I think the film in some way helped. Yeah, when I shot, it was really a mystery what happened inside the, the favelas, the slump. So. The film opened up so much for so many people as well, you know, in terms of the, the industry as well in, in Brazil, in terms of people feeling like they could tell stories. Yeah, after after the seed of God, uh, it came what what was called in Brazil the the favela movies. There was a several, I mean, ten or twelve films came right after, with the same environment, same kind of characters. So it became really like a, a wave of films that revealed this world for for Brazil, which was good. Yeah. I am. Um, I really hope that with your director's cut, we can have the opportunity to have a live music playback and ed you can get the band together and you can play the score Great. live good good idea i'm gonna yeah. take note of it yeah. Yeah. yeah great idea we can have a samba night we can have the whole thing <laughs> yeah samba <laughs> that would samba, be samba. Samba. Yeah. that would be so amazing listen i know you've got to go fernando so i, I i'll just say thank you genuinely for the opportunity to 
to talk to you about about this film that holds a really special place for me personally and I know a lot of people as well and it's wonderful that people are going to get the chance to see it in the cinema again it's really exciting thank you very much Ed Ed, Fernando thank you have a great day take care thank you so much thank you very much O sol colorido é tão lindo, é tão lindo E a natureza sorrindo, tingindo, tingindo a alvorada Alvorada lá no morro, que beleza Ninguém chora, não há tristeza Ninguém sente de sabor O sol colorido é tão lindo, é tão lindo E a natureza sorrindo from the soundtrack to City of God, that's Alvarada by Cartola, rounding off this latest episode of Soundtracking with Fernando Mirielas and Ed Cortez. My huge thanks to both of them for taking the time to talk to us about the 21st anniversary of City of God, and I can't wait to watch it in the cinemas again, as you should too. It's in cinemas from the 23rd of February, and I think depending on your cinema will depend on how long it's shown for so have a look at the listings and do go and see if you can head to edithbowman.com to catch with every single episode of the podcast we're uh, well into our 400s now and please do rate review and subscribe if you haven't already we also have a youtube channel called soundtracking extra and our social handle is at soundtracking uk so please do follow us get involved Send us an email. We're info at edithbowman.com to give us some suggestions on who you would like to see in future episodes. Next up, I'm very excited to welcome back a lady who has a brand new film coming out on the 24th of February. It's called Wicked Little Letters. It stars Jesse Buckley and Olivia Coleman. It's hilarious and it is directed by Thea Sharrick, who joins me on next week's episode of Soundtracking. I very much look forward to the pleasure of your company then. <laughs> <laughs>